Ever since the beginning, true faith in the person of God has always been a requirement to have a relationship with the Almighty and to have eternal life. And as we have established, this Jesus Christ has always been. The same God that was there with Adam and Eve in the garden is the same God that was with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Joseph, with Moses, with David, with all of the prophets. The Lord in the Old Testament is the same one we see in Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about Jesus' true identity. Ever since Jesus was born into this world, there has been much controversy over his person. Many people view him as different things, either as a good man that did good things, or as a teacher, or a prophet, or even as another child of God. Some only accept him as savior, but nothing higher than that, that he is someone just providing them a service. But if we read the scriptures in their entirety, he is more than those things, and he needs to be acknowledged and received as who he really is if a person wants to have eternal life. Today's message is inspired on John chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Blessed are you, O Lord, forever and ever. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord God. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed are you, O Lord, forever and ever. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and for your grace. Heavenly Father, it is through your grace that we can be saved. And it is through your mercy that we find forgiveness of sins. And it is through your love, Lord God, that we can find eternity. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please, God, guide us, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you may speak through me and that all things may be for your honor and glory and for the salvation of many souls. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's passage can be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. This is the word of the Lord. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Martha was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. 
Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Who is this Jesus that we read about in the Bible? Was he just a man? Was he just a good person that did good things like many people believe? Was he just a teacher? Was he just a worker of miracles? Was he just a prophet like many people also believe? Was he just another one of God's children? How about this? Is he just our savior? These are questions that many have wondered ever since he first showed up on the earth. If you read certain parts of the scriptures, there is some validity to some of these thoughts that he could have been a teacher, a miracle worker, a prophet and a savior because he did do these things. But as always, we can't look only at certain bits and pieces of the scriptures to establish something that is of extreme importance. The person of Jesus Christ has always been and is a person of great controversy. When people talk about believing in God, there isn't much of a problem there. Most people accept the fact that there is a universal God. But the moment we start bringing Jesus into the picture, if you will, and start discussing who he is, that's when the issues start happening. But no matter what happens, this is something that everyone must come to grips with. Everyone must decide and come to find this answer for themselves about who Jesus is. And so, who do you think Jesus is? If we look at the New Testament in the Bible, where we learn about Jesus directly, we can see that he is the explicit center of that portion of the Bible. And I say the explicit center because we will see his identity throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament. So from the Gospels to Revelation, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of these books to do one thing and one thing alone, to talk about Jesus Christ. From the fulfillment of ancient prophecies in his life, through his birth, to his crucifixion and death, and his resurrection, his ascension into the heavens, his current existence, and his second coming and eternal reign. And of course, within all of that, the emphasis on who he really is and what is related to how we should follow him. If we look at all of this as a whole, we should understand that saying that Jesus was a good man that did good deeds or a worker of miracles or a teacher or a prophet or an ordinary son of God 
or even just as a savior, are all clearly understatements. The Apostle John, for instance, writes about the beginning of all things, and he does it so that we start seeing who this Jesus really is, and that he is much more than these things we've mentioned. In John chapter 1, it starts by saying this, in the beginning, and this beginning refers to the beginning of time, if you will, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. John mentions Jesus as the Word, and that He has always been, even before man existed, since the very beginning, whenever that was. So we see clearly that this Jesus existed since the very beginning before his virgin birth into this world. And so this would put him in the category of God. The Bible talks about there being one God and that this one God person is composed of three distinct persons. And there is a divine trinity. We see this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, where it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And here it is again, this word, as how he refers to Jesus Christ. What does this mean? What does the word of God mean? If we go back to the book of Genesis, we need to see how things were created and who this God was that we see at the beginning. In Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Notice that the scriptures say, then God said. If you follow along throughout the whole creation process, it says that God spoke things into existence. This is a big detail and the explanation for just how things came into existence. Here's another thing that we need to look at, and we need to concentrate on certain details in the creation passages and use as reference the original Hebrew language that these passages were originally written in. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it gives us insight on who or how many, if you will, God was, where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Notice the first part again in this verse where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We see quite clearly that the God that was involved with the creation was a plural God, an entity that was composed of more than one person. We also see that this plural God, this multi-person God, if you will, spoke things into existence. The ancient Hebrew word used for God here is also plural in its definition, making reference to more than one person as God. And so by putting this all together, we can see that this Jesus has always been, that he is God, and that as the word, he was the vehicle through which all things were made possible and brought into existence. The Apostle Paul brings it all together and states this fact explicitly as it is written in Colossians chapter 1. He, speaking of Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. 
All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. This is the one of the most profound and revealing passages in the scripture, where we see the Lord Jesus Christ as God, as the one that has always been, and that he is the person through which all things were made. This is why believing that Jesus Christ is anything else is a severe understatement. It's quite frankly insulting to the Lord. Let's put this in somewhat of a parallel in current secular terms so we can understand. It's like calling the president and owner of a major corporation a supervisor or a manager. They could be performing in certain instances the role of a supervisor or a manager, but that doesn't mean that this is all they are. And so in a similar fashion, if a person believes in Jesus Christ as a good man, as a miracle worker, a teacher, a prophet, a son of God, implying one of many with no distinction, or even just as a savior, it would be an incredible understatement and an insult to the God through which everything was made and through which everything continues to exist and subsist and consist through and through which all thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers exist because he wills them to exist through his person. And so having said all of this, how do we need to believe in him? Because the Bible does say throughout that we need to respond to this question, especially if we wanna be saved and have eternal life and reward. This question cannot be left inconclusive. Ever since the beginning, true faith in the person of God has always been a requirement to have a relationship with the Almighty and to have eternal life. And as we have established, this Jesus Christ has always been. The same God that was there with Adam and Eve in the garden is the same God that was with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Joseph, with Moses, with David, with all of the prophets. The Lord in the Old Testament is the same one we see in Jesus Christ. The only difference is that a miracle happened and that this word, this God became flesh so that this same God Almighty, this Lord of hosts, could become what was necessary for us to have salvation. He became the holy and perfect sacrifice on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven and so we could have direct access to the Father, which in turn allows us to have eternal life. Forgiveness of sins and eternal life is only possible through Jesus Christ and through no one else. The Gospel of Mark tells us this about how Jesus is able to forgive sins when we read this in chapter 2. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. 
Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. And so Jesus is the only one through whom we can have forgiveness of sins. And what does that forgiveness afford us? Access to the Father. He is the only one that can help us have access to the Father in heaven, which is the only way we can live forever. He is the only intercessor between God and man. That's why he cannot just be a good person or a worker of miracles or a teacher or a prophet to us. The Bible explains to us the following truths that must be accepted with complete faith if a person wants to attain salvation. John chapter 14 gives us this explanation from Jesus Christ himself. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Timothy chapter 2 also says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And Romans chapter 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so how does a person need to acknowledge and receive into their life Jesus so that salvation can happen? They need to receive him with complete faith, without any doubt in them, as who he truly is, as the Lord, as the one that was, that is, and that is to come. He is the Lord God Almighty. Romans chapter 10 says it exactly where it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth the confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. It is quite clear, Jesus must be acknowledged and received in our hearts at the center of our being with complete faith as the Lord of our lives. He must be Lord. He must be our Lord, literally. We need to belong to him and to take our lead from him. He is the only one that can save us, and he is the only one that can lead us to the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. Without complete faith in Jesus Christ, there can be no indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and so salvation is quite simple. We need to repent and convert from all of our sins as in turning away from them. And we just need to acknowledge a certain truth, a certain reality, that Jesus is who he is and that he is the Lord God Almighty. The I am became Jesus. This is how the Apostle John finishes his gospel. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so the real question and the only question that should matter to you should be, who or what is Jesus to you? 
This is by far the most important question to answer in your own life because this is what will define not only your existence here and now, but your whole eternity. Depending on how you answer and you live out that faith is what will determine where you will spend eternity, whether in the presence of God and His kingdom or in a place completely separated from God and from everything that belongs to God forever. You are free to choose what you want to believe, but this choice has consequences depending on what you choose to believe and live for. I know that the reality of our mortality is brought up many times in different messages, but it's an inevitable reality that one day, maybe a few minutes from now, or maybe years from now, will come true for all of us at some point. We will all die someday, and that time is unknown to us, and it can happen at any moment. And I know that most people many times are governed and or more concerned with so many different things that they don't think about this thing called death. Many people don't want to think about it. Many people are just flooded with so many things happening at the same time that they can't really think about it. They're just too busy with the things of this life. People are mainly focused on financial concerns or family issues or work problems or politics and so on because those are things they choose to focus on. And we do need to be concerned with these things, especially if we are responsible people. But again, the reality of our physical end doesn't go away because we are too busy or not focused on it. And because that reality never goes away, then coming to terms with Jesus and who he really is and who he should be in our lives should be something just as critical because that faith is what determines where we will spend eternity. There is no salvation in anyone or anything else. Believing that there is a God doesn't do it. Believing in Jesus Christ as something other than God and Lord will not save you. The book of Acts says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is our only salvation, our only way to the Father, and our only way to eternal life. And for us to be saved, to be able to find our way to the Father by doing His will, we need to accept and receive Jesus Christ as the literal and effective Lord of our lives. We need to belong to Him, to submit to Him, to take our direction for everything in our lives from Him through the Holy Spirit. Our life must be centered on Him. If a person does not do this, then there is no salvation. I would urge you for your own good Think about the reality that will come true at some point, that you will face God's judgment and that you will give an account and that the only way you will pass that judgment is by being found justified and forgiven through Jesus Christ and because through the Lord Jesus Christ you have done the Father's will in your life. The only way we enter the kingdom of God is by doing the Father's will and that will only happen if Jesus is truly the Lord of our lives. Repent and convert from all your sins 
and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed are you, O Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, that we may be able to see Jesus for who he really is. And that that belief, that faith, may become a reality in our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that he is God and that he is Lord and that we must have him as the Lord of our lives and that we must do as he says. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they may be able to come to that reality, to come to that faith so that they can have eternal life, so that they can do your will on earth. Heavenly Father, I pray, O Lord, that there may be a clear understanding of everyone who is listening. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.